So today I brought a poncho just in case uh, vegetables got thrown at me, rotten tomatoes and such, because we're going to talk about when God speaks. As we've gone around to the different home groups, how many of you guys are involved in a home group in here? Hey Amen. Look around. It's the cool thing to do. <laughs> so get involved in a home group. Um, as we've gone around to the different home groups and we've observed how we do church, right? So not just on a Sunday morning, but how we do church anywhere. That's church when we get together for house meetings. That's church when we do Bible studies, whether organic or planned. That's church whether we're here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night, whether we're hanging out, whatever. However we do church, uh, we've been able to see it from a few different perspectives. And today what we want to talk about is that moment when we speak up and we have a word from the Lord. So the Lord is saying this, or someone begins to speak up, and it's at a louder volume, clearly indicating that they're ready for you to hear what they're about to say. So we're going to talk about that today. Thus the reason for the poncho. Just in case there's anybody with feelings that might get hurt today. I don't want to make light of hurt feelings. I really don't. Because when feelings get hurt, it's a big deal. And we don't want that to happen. Anybody that's up here bears the responsibility of speaking the truth in love. Anybody that is receiving the word has the authority and the ability to test everything and to hold on to what is good. So if I speak something that is not true, then reject it by all means. But if today we cover some things that are real and true... They just hit a place in the heart where it's like, uh, like that. Don't necessarily reject it. Just ask God, okay, is there anything in this that's from you that I need to keep and let change my ways? Is that fair enough? I promise. We love you guys so much. Love, love, love you guys. That's all we, all we talk about all day long is you guys. How much we love you, what's going on, ways that we can serve. Whatever it takes to take the best care of you with what God has entrusted us with, to take the best care of you guys as we possibly can. That's, that's our heart. It truly is. And so today, there is no ulterior motives. I want us to get this right because it matters. And uh, I feel the weight of the responsibility that we bear, not just in this city, but in this area. Uh, I do feel that as we look around not that we are better by any means, not even, not even a little bit. There's, I believe that the body of Christ is scattered all over in different organizations. I don't believe that God puts a stamp of approval on an organization. I believe that he has his people and they're planted in churches and in buildings all around. Okay. Even this church. I don't believe that we just have a general stamp of approval from the Lord. I believe there are people in here, sons and daughters who he's built his kingdom in and we live out our lives according to his commands, his principles, his love, and by his spirit. And we just happen to assemble inside this place. Okay? If we went somewhere else, we'd still carry the spirit with us. All right? So today, when we talk, I feel like I've laid good enough groundwork. We're going to go into it. If you, if you really just hate what's happening, feel free to get up and leave. I understand that that might mean we might never see each other again. That's how much... I feel convinced that this word is for today. 
that if it causes the breaking or the severing of some relationships, that that's okay, as long as God's will is done. Amen? Amen. Oh boy. All right. Let's do this. Deuteronomy 5. I still see a spot last week from the light climbing up on the ladder. Can still see it now. It's like it's right there. So Moses just gives the people the Ten Commandments. Elder Mark has got the download on Moses. If you want to come and, and get some stories on Moses, come and talk to Elder Mark. But Moses has just given the people the Ten Commandments. And he was just up on this mountain, Mount Sinai. And it's literally seared from fire. You can watch some cool documentaries and find some guys that uh, seem to have found Mount Sinai. But it's seared with fire. There's a fire that's burning there. Thunder, thunder clouds that are there. And the people receive the Ten Commandments. And this is what they say, verse 23. When you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leading men of your tribes and your elders came to me and they said, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live even if God speaks with him. But now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal man has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us what the Lord our God tells you and we'll listen and obey. And then Moses responds, the Lord heard you when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I've heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always until Jesus comes and dies on the cross. Is that, is that what y'all says? What does y'all say? I'm, oh, this is the CWV, the completely wrong version. <laughs> says so that it might go well with them and their children forever. So you would think that when God hears them saying, oh, we can't hear God. We're just mere men. We'll die. You would think that God in his unchanging ways, same yesterday, today, and forever ways would say, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. It's fine. Don't worry about the holiness thing. That's all just a, I'm your pal. We're pals, you and me. But that's not how he responds. He actually says, I wish they would be like this forever. That's kind of crazy. That God speaking ignites this fear in the people. And then they're like, we we can't even hear. We're lowly people. Who are we to hear the voice of God? And God's like, yeah, 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 that, that. Stay like that forever. Always be like that. But that's the way that he responds. Today, what I want to talk about is the way that we should be when God speaks. Whether we're the one receiving what God is saying to speak out. Whether we're the one 
listening to someone communicate what God is giving or whether we're going back over and looking at words that have been given. Let me ask you this right now. In the situation that we currently find ourselves in, whether in this church on a Sunday morning, and I understand that we have some visitors, so y'all just bear with us if this is not your home. We're just doing some housekeeping here for just a second. But on Sunday mornings and in home groups, let me ask you this. Have there been times where so many words have been given? Where if one of them or two of them or three of them were from God, you don't remember which ones they are. Because they're drowned in a sea of words that have been given. Should I get my poncho out now? Should I do that now? I'll save it for just a second. That's just, we're just scratching the surface. Sometimes, I'm not speaking to anybody else. I'm speaking to our little family right here. Sometimes we can be doing church and so many things begin to come forward that it's like, wow, that was, a, that was a lot of stuff. I mean, it seemed like there was kind of a recurring theme and then maybe a few of them were kind of off in left field. Did anybody record those? No? And then someone's like, I recorded some of them. These are the words of God, supposedly. We're supposedly hearing the words of God. Moses went up on the mountain and not including the oral tradition. I think for effect, it'd be cool if someone had like the extra large print so we could really get, but it was like, he wrote down like this much. There was a lot of them, but they were the words of God. So they were that important. We need to write these down and never forget them. Teach them to our children and our children's children forever. Somehow we've gotten to the place where words just begin coming. And it's like, what was that? Was that God or was that someone just like speaking what they were thinking? Doesn't matter. Just throw it in. You want to say something? I don't know if I have anything to say. Just start talking. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's like we've gotten to that place. This is not meant to be a discouragement. There's a line in a book by John, John Bevere. How many of you guys have heard of him? Great author. Definitely believe he is for our time. It's called Thus Saith the Lord. And it says we've become so afraid of despising prophecy that we've forsaken judging it. Does that make sense? Meaning we really want prophecy to flow. We all read 1 Corinthians 14. It's like tongues I'm not so comfortable with, but prophecy, I get that one. What's prophecy? It's just when you start speaking positive things or whatever you think whenever church is happening. And I, I, I want to challenge us this morning that if we've gotten to that place, then let us just hit the reset button, do a little bit of necessary repentance and get back on track. And say, okay, Lord, we might have missed it before, but help us recalibrate. Help us get back on track. Are we all tracking? Yes. All right. We're doing this. We're getting through it. Let's go to Judges 16. I was genuinely, genuinely nervous this morning before service. So don't let the smile fool you. 
So many of you guys in here know the story of Samson and Delilah. It's a wonderful story, full of intrigue, deceit, manipulation, superhero. It's a great story. But Delilah comes along and represents the culmination of Samson's compromises. So there were three things, major things, that someone who takes a Nazarite vow is not supposed to do. Somebody name one. Cut the hair, drink wine, touch a dead body. Yes, I heard all three of them. Samson had definitely touched a dead body, probably drank wine at a bachelor party. And then here he is with Delilah, this beautiful lady who just speaks so sweetly and is so pretty. And she keeps saying to him, tell me the secret of your strength. And then magically, after he falls asleep, the Philistines come to attack him, hurt him, kill him, because they hate him. And it culminates in this one moment in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you? Is it Los Decisiones? <laughs> Telenovelas, the soap operas? How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called the man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here is what I want to emphasize today. We're going to read a few more stories of people not realizing when the Lord left them. These are people like Samson, a hero, fighting the Philistines. Literally, I could describe his birth in a way to you that I, you, you would think I was talking about Jesus. An angel comes to his mom. Tells him that she's going to conceive birth to the deliverer of Israel. He'll deliver his people. Samson. And he doesn't realize when the spirit leaves him. When the Lord and the power leaves him. If Samson could fall prey to not realizing when we were in this place absent of power. Is it possible that you and me could fall into the same trap? Is that possible? I don't realize that right now I'm speaking just with the things I've learned from the Bible and the speaking skills and the, the different things like that that I've learned, but I'm actually speaking absent of the Spirit's power. I'm just saying something to you that's pretty clever and not knowing that I'm doing this in my own strength. So we see Samson fall into that trap. He doesn't realize that the Lord had left him and he gets overtaken by the Philistines and this is how he ends up chained with a little boy leading him around and his eyes poked out as a showman for the Philistines inside their temple. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Now a lot of people 
remember King Saul as an evil guy. You think about all the terrible things that he did and then hero David comes along to save the day. But I want to tell you it's a little more complex than that. Saul was absolutely singled out by God and called to be king. Samuel actually tells Saul, God would have made you king forever. Saul's not someone that you can just discard. When you look at his life and you see the decisions that he made and you realize, what's this, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9? Look at verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. Sounds like salvation. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power and he joined in their prophesying. Sounds like he got baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? So here's this dude called by God to be king over all Israel. He gets a changed heart and then filled with the spirit of God, begins prophesying and everyone sees it. He's filled with the spirit of God. Let's turn forward just a few chapters. Chapter 16. And look at verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. That word torment, when you look up that sentence, it literally means that an evil spirit rushed on him to torture him. So the spirit of the Lord left him and an evil spirit came in its place. So this was someone filled with the Spirit of God, prophesying so that all could see, ruling in God's power. Now you missed a few stories there. Stories of God coming upon him in power, enabling him to win an awesome battle. The people giving their allegiance and their loyalty to him. And then yes, him making a few compromises along the way. But then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God that was there before was no longer there. What was happening to these men? to the Samsons, to the Sauls. What was happening to them? Let's look at, what's that? They were being disobedient. Turn to Job 42. We'll get a little bit more clarity on disobedience before the Lord. Verse 7, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. So you got three dudes sitting around with Job. He lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his house. He lost his crops. And then he got boils all over his body so that he literally lost everything, including his health. And he's sitting around scraping himself with pot shards. Okay. A bad situation. This is a dude who is well respected, wealthy, big family, big crops, lots of animals, everything dies, health goes away. And now he's sitting around a fire with a few of his friends, three to be exact. Now these are good friends, good friends. They sit with him for seven days and don't say a word. So they're not just willy nilly come along, I don't have to relate to these guys kind of guys. These are wise men who are good friends and they sat with Job. Problem was, 
they began to try and identify the reason why these things were happening. And then, without having consulted with the Lord or actually heard what he had to say, just began speaking the words out. So without knowing what the Lord actually wanted to say, they assessed the situation. They thought, we're pretty wise. We love Job. We know about, the, we know about God. So we're going to start speaking these words to Job and listen to how God addresses them. Verse 7, after the Lord had said these things, this is after the Lord comes to Job and he tells him the way things are. Humbles Job. Job humbles himself. He said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. Can you imagine how heartbreaking? If you loved the Lord and you heard him tell you, I am angry with you. How much that would break your heart? How much would that break your heart to hear him say that? I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken to me what is right. So he tells him, you were speaking what you thought was best in a moment. And I am angry with you for doing that. Go back and look at their words. I mean, it's not like they were telling him to serve Satan. You could go back and look and it's like, I could see myself saying that to a friend who seemed to be suffering. I could see myself trying to describe, hey, this might be why something bad's happening in your life. Maybe because of this. Maybe because of this. That's the kind of stuff that they're doing. And then God comes to them and says, you didn't speak what was right of me. And I'm angry with you. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to this quote. A wise man speaks because he has something to say. A fool speaks because he has to say something. A fool speaks because he has to say something. I see an opening. Hey, there's a moment of silence. And we fill it. What we have to ask ourselves is not what keeps the service flowing, right? Not what makes home groups go well and makes sure that there's never a dull moment. What we have to ask ourselves is what is God wanting to say? And if we'll listen, and here's the, here's the kicker, not just listen here on Sunday mornings. If we'll listen to him and we will learn to hear his voice when no one's around, when no one is around, if we'll learn to hear his voice in those moments, then when there's a lot of noise happening, and it's hard to discern sometimes what he's speaking in the moment. We'll be able to say it out. There's, now, we're not going to spend time today talking about the things that can cloud our ability to hear. Like if you've got offense in your heart towards any of your brothers and sisters in here or towards us, you think we're not doing a good job or there's division in your heart or whatever it might be that might cloud your ability to hear from God. We're not going to go into that today. We're just talking about the fact that it can happen. Therefore, we should be reverent. 
And can you hear me still? Can you hear me? We should be reverent and sometimes many of us should be quiet. Quiet. Just be quiet. Just don't speak sometimes. Okay, that's enough. These are good tomatoes. But you had rotten ones. Okay. I'll keep this for future use. Man. I'm glad I had that. You got even you even got some on my Bible. Looks like blood though, it's okay. Awesome. All right. Let's keep going. Is there some in my back? How's that even possible? All right. So the word prophecy. Listen to this. Prophecy is a discourse emanating. Thank you, brother. A discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. So, the problem is, oh, thanks, buddy. You're so good. Everyone give Manuel a hand clap. I'm so glad, if you look around the room, this is like a, everybody's home. Nobody's gone. I'm excited about that. Uh, prophecy, a discourse emanating from divine inspiration. I thought that this was good on the tail end of what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Understanding vision, hearing from God, receiving from God. When we receive from God, when we are uh, divinely uh, being inspired or communicated with, and we're getting downloaded the heart of God, and we're hearing what his thoughts are on things, and we're not just going off, we're not just going off our own thoughts on things. We're in a better position to learn how to prophesy. This might mean that for some of you who have been speaking regularly, I would put that thing back on, but I think he's out of tomatoes. For some of you who are speaking regularly, maybe, maybe stop for a second and ask again, God, is this you? Is this for everyone else? Is this for me? Is this something that is just happening or is it something that needs to be spoken out? How serious do we take the words of God when they're actually spoken? Is, I'm genuinely asking, is there someone in here who is writing these things down? Slightly? A little bit? Or every one of them? As much as you can. Yeah, prophecies down. Oh, those no. That's why we're talking today. <laughs> the message, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prophecies? No, no. I don't have enough paper. This is what I'm talking about today. Now, listen, guys. I'm trying to, to bring a little bit of levity to this subject because if we went as deep and as hard and as heavy as this actually is, it would almost be unbearable. So please, don't mistake the lightheartedness 
of this talk with a carefree attitude towards prophecy. Because I can assure you, that's not my disposition. I promise you that. Prophecy has to be something that we respect, that we show reverence for, that we stay submitted to God on, and that even when it's spoken, it should be something like, did you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that word today? That was powerful. When one word comes, two word comes, maybe three words come, and then we throw in these additional thoughts. At some point, Different people might not be able to discern which ones were God and which ones weren't. So they throw them all out. They don't remember any of them. Now we're sitting up here and we'll talk afterwards. Now, this might sound a little bit pretentious, presumptuous, whatever you might think. But this is our lives. Like this is what we do. We'll come together and we'll say, hey, this word was from God. That word wasn't. Yeah, this word was from God. That word wasn't. And we're always in agreement. We don't, we, when, when Nick and Mike and I come together and we talk about the words that are given, because we care about these words that are given, but we still can't even remember all of them sometimes. But we'll talk and we'll go, this one was from God, this one wasn't, this one was from God, this one wasn't, that wasn't either. That didn't even make any sense. These were all at least in line. That one was way out in left field. This person spoke that and it was actually for them. And we're all in 100% agreement. The problem is, is that we have different people with all sorts of different experiences that come to this church. So when we take the liberty and the freedom to say whatever we want to say, however we want to say it, whether there's music that's going on in the middle of when we start speaking, whether we say it loud enough for people to hear, or we just speak in a voice that we're most comfortable with, that attitude towards prophecy won't work any longer. We've got to go to the next level because... The enemy will also work in. We, he will also work in with too many words so that the word of God is not heard. I love you guys so much. First Kings 22. This is one of mine and Lindy. And she's serving in kids on our anniversary. Just love it. What a What a woman. First Kings 22, this is one of our favorite stories. I love the drama of these moments. And I would have played for you guys a clip from Ice Age. But I thought about it and decided against it. But those of you who have seen it, you can recall it. If you've got little kids, it's probably all you watch anyways. First Kings 22, verse 3. So this is Ahab. Ahab, many of you know him. One of the worst kings ever. Arguably the worst king over Israel. Just an all-around terrible guy. Uh, led very poorly. Brought in idolatry. Like, made idolatry like the official religion of Israel. Bad guy. Bad guy. So, the king of Israel had said to his officials, verse 3. Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, yeah, I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses are your horses. But then Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, just first, let's seek the counsel of the Lord. And then so Ahab hears this. 
So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men. Do y'all remember that scene in Ice Age where, where Sid is going to be the fire king and all the little things are just doing whatever he does, right? And there's a whole bunch of them and he's like, and they're like, but there's like 400 of them. So I was thinking that they all just do whatever, they just copy each other. So he brings together, look around the room, guys, look around the room. He brings together like twice as many people as this, and they're all prophets. And they all come together, and they're all saying the same thing. This is what they say. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And I want us all to say, Go, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. On three. So go, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Let's say it really loud together. Ready? One, two, three. Go, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. It's like a scene from like a Monty Python movie. So they answer in a way that causes Jehoshaphat to say this. Jehoshaphat asked, is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? <laughs> Somehow, the way that these guys were being, the sense, the feeling that he got from this room was, this is a joke. Who are these people? All saying the same thing at the same time. Go for you. What? He's like, no, buddy, listen, I'll go to war with you, but we've got to get somebody that actually hears from God. Because these people, that's not cutting it. So the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat. Oh, I'm changing his voice now. There's still one man through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. And then Jehoshaphat's like, the king should not say that. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenana, had made iron horns and declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Aramaeans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets, prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah, the legit dude, said to him, Look, as one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. He's like, look, we got this show going on. And there's this conclusion that we've all already come to. So you're not really needed. But this partner of the kings wants you to come by and say something. So look, here's what you just need to say. Just say it at this queue and everything will be fine. And Micaiah's like... That's not what a prophet does. A prophet doesn't just say what everyone else is saying. I'm going to say what the Lord tells me to say. So watch this. Go forward a little bit. So he tells him, Micaiah goes in right in front of the king. At first he kind of jokes with him. He's like, yeah, go, you'll, you'll win. It's all great. And the king's like, I knew it. I knew that's not what you actually believed. And he's like, look, you want me to tell you the truth? I saw a vision and the Lord was talking to all these angels these spirits. And, and he asked him, he said, who will go and entice the king? And then one of them says, I'll put a lying spirit in the mouths of the prophets. 
And the Lord's like, yeah, you'll, you'll succeed. Go and do that. Micaiah tells him all this. And he's like, all these people are lying to you. It's all a big farce. So then Zedekiah comes up to him in verse 24. Son of Canaanah went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. And he says, which way did the spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, you'll find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. They're like, take Micaiah away. But watch what Zedekiah speaks. He doesn't even know what he's talking about in this moment. You can tell because he's one of the standout guys of a bunch of fakes. But Zedekiah comes up to him, slaps him in the face, and he says, which way did the spirit go from me to you? And he didn't realize what he was saying in this moment, much like Ananias prophesying about Jesus dying for the whole nation. But he was speaking the truth. Zedekiah did not have the spirit and he was not speaking by the spirit of God. So he spoke the truth in this moment. Micaiah had the spirit of God and was prophesying correctly. Zedekiah was a fake, a phony who didn't realize that the spirit had left him. Mike Brown, I've stolen that uh, term, the king's prophet. That's a, a good way to put it. Sometimes leaders will surround themselves with people who have the ability to hear something. But they're only for hire. I think I heard a story of uh, someone selling prophecies to raise money. And the more you gave, the more in-depth the prophecy would be. I mean, this is a well-known... There is confusion. There is... Uh, what's the word, counterfeits that are out there. And if we don't take this thing seriously, we'll lose it altogether. It's not out of fear that we're talking right now. It's because it's the responsible thing to do. And I do believe 100% that this is where the Lord's heart is, that he's wanting us to get this right so that we can continue to see prophecies, true prophecies, real prophecies come forth in this place. Because what happens when prophecy is healthy and is being done the right way is that people will literally walk in and exclaim, there is a God here. Fall down on their face and repent. That is a moment worth fighting for. And this is how we fight. What we're doing right now. Fighting to get it right. Let's go to Jeremiah 23. Are we still friends? Amen. Amen. All right. Cool. 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 So this, this whole, you can see it. Many of you have subtitles in your Bible where it says lying prophets. You could really just read the whole thing. I'm going to focus on verse 16. Remember this. Remember this passage. Those of you who prophesy, remember this. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They will fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you'll have peace. You're like a delicate flower and the Lord wants you to bloom before him. 
And to all who follow the stubbornness of their fathers, they say, no harm will come to you. It's going to be okay. Just keep singing your song. And, uh, but which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Why did they hate Jesus? Because he said what they did was evil. Let me ask you this. Out of all our prophecies and the words that are being given. Home groups, Bible studies, church. Yes, all over the place. Every one of them. Do you get the sensation, the idea? Do you come away with the impression that prophecies are used to deter us from God's coming wrath, to deter us from stubbornness. Do you walk away from these moments where we spend together and walk away with a greater understanding of what God's going to do in the future? Do you walk away with an in-depth understanding of what God's doing right now? Or do we walk away having heard some descriptions of things that we pretty much already knew? Do we walk away having heard some things that, yeah, you can't really prove whether or not that was right or wrong. It's kind of something that just is. And it'll probably fade away before anybody remembers to go back and check it to see if it was right or wrong. Do you know they actually used to kill people that got it wrong? Ooh. I don't even want that kind of a standard. But what I'm saying is this. If God's heart is that we should take this so seriously. That when we open our mouths in the middle of his spirit moving. That we see it as people hearing the voice of God. Because I want to tell you that's the standard I believe he wants us to set. That's what I see in his word. That when we speak, 1 Peter 4.11, anyone who speaks should speak as one speaking the very words of God. Do we have that kind of standard here in home groups? Or do we simply just let fly whatever we want to say? I feel like the Lord is saying to you that things are going to go well. Just don't give up. That is not a prophecy. I feel like the Lord is pleased with you. And, and that he, he wants to tell you, great job. You are my son. You are my daughter. Now listen, guys, I'm not saying don't encourage one another. Encourage each other. Absolutely. Get together. Have lunch. Have coffee. Have dinner. Go hang out. Do fun things together. Tell each other, hey man, you know what? You're a son of the king. You don't need to think like that. Keep going. Persevere in doing what's right. But when we try and squeeze in relationships to those moments in between songs, while we're worshiping, we can make it become something that it's not supposed to be. And it gets so convoluted, so distorted, so foggy that we walk away not really knowing whether or not any of that was God. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. One of the things that I've seen Oh, thanks, Dan. Oh, Dan. Good man. Love you, brother. Thank you. There have also been times where a prophecy is being given. And you're, you're hitting it. You're getting it. This is absolutely from the Lord. This is a word that's from God. And then you stop. And then you say, and I feel like what God is saying. One thing that we have to remember is that we know in part and we prophesy in part. So when God gives you a word and listen, don't get me wrong, guys. There have been many prophecies in this room. And in the homes. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. There are many people in here who have prophesied correctly. All right. So that's not what I'm saying. What we're doing is we're talking about all the extra stuff. There have been times where a prophecy is being given and someone will be speaking the words of the Lord and then they'll get to the end of it and then they'll add in like a, I don't know, like a commentary, like Cliff's Notes. Like, here are some thoughts on what the Lord just said. That's not needed. You could just cut it out because what you may not realize is as you're defining the word that the Lord just spoke through you, you might actually be excluding some people in your explanation that we're supposed to receive that word. Because as you're further explaining the word of God, someone who is thinking that word's for me, and then in your explanation go, oh, maybe it wasn't. So God gave you a word, but then you cut some people out that it was for by adding your own commentary. Drop the commentary, leave the word. <laughs> That's good stuff. First... 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Let's say that together. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. When it says, do not quench the Spirit's fire, do not put out the Spirit's fire. It means to extinguish, stifle, to suppress. When it says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, I think there are multiple ways that you can treat things with contempt. I think if we were to, I don't, I'm not going to put on the poncho. I think if we were to put a microphone up here and force everyone that wanted to give a word or a prophecy to come up to this microphone and say it because our thoughts might be, well, this will weed out anybody who's not surely sure that it's the Lord. You guys ever seen that? We're going to weed out all the people who are not confident enough to come up to a microphone. Problem is you just weed out the timid people. You don't necessarily weed out the words that aren't from God. So then... We might say, hey, you know what? We're just not going to do that here. We want to encourage you to do that at home in private where nothing can go wrong. We believe it. We believe that it's for today. Just do it on your own time where no one can see you. Right? Or go do it on this special time that we've carved out for these kind of things to happen. 
That, I believe, is treating prophecy with contempt. Because what it is, is the Holy Spirit is messy, messy. Messy to what? Absolutely not God's kingdom and his order and his plans and his purpose and his will. The Holy Spirit is so on point, it would blow our minds. He's messy when it comes to our agenda. Because I had planned for things to go like this, and then we're going to do this, and then this is going to start, and then this person is going to say this, and then that's going to happen. We're going to start with this chord, and we're going to end on this chord. This person is going to come up to pray, and we're going to do this, and then we're all going to get done by this time, make sure that everybody's out, ba 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 And we get it all lined up perfectly, neat, everything's perfect. And then we realize he didn't move. I think that that is treating prophecy with contempt. Now our turn. I also think that when we flood the airspace with our own thoughts and say whatever we feel or whatever comes to mind in a moment, that's also treating prophecy with contempt. Because we're not honoring, respecting the words that come from God. We can get this right, guys. I know that we can. I see it down the road for us. I see us flourishing in it. I see powerful, nation-shaking prophecies coming out of this place. I genuinely believe that. Let's turn to 2 Peter 1. Just a few more, guys. Let's look at verse 16 in 2 Peter 1. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, hear this, guys. You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy never has its origin in our own minds or by our own will but always comes from what we've seen from the Father. If we haven't seen it from the Father, if we don't know it from the Lord, then it is not prophecy. If it originates in our mind or a will, save it. I'm not saying that the things that come from your heart that are meant to be encouragement for your brothers and sisters aren't supposed to be spoken. Speak them out, guys. But this does require relationship because that's your opportunity to speak it out. No matter how you swing it, we're not going to actually be able to do church and get around having relationships with one another. You can't do it. Just like you can't have a healthy relationship with the Lord without prayer and getting in the word. You can't do church without relationships with each other. There have been many who tried and many from worldly places that look like they're succeeding. But you can't do it. It's not real. There will always be relationship where God is. What does this mean? This means that if you have offenses, let's close our eyes for just a second. Close your eyes. I'll close mine too so you don't think that I'm looking around at people with their eyes closed. I want you to picture right now, 
out of everybody in this room, you can include me in it, someone that you're offended with. They did this and I didn't like it. I didn't like how they said this or they did this or no, I wasn't offended, but you know, just think it's dumb. That's also offense. Okay. So think about someone that you might be offended with in this room. All right, let's open our eyes. If you pictured somebody, you need to make that right. If there was someone that came to mind during that time, you got to make it right. You think you can hold on to it, especially if you're speaking out in these times? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 for just a second. Just a second. Look at verse 2. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Some people in this room have come to this church with offense in their hearts towards other ministries. Has enough time passed by for you to be offended with us? What you'll find is that oftentimes the reason that you left somewhere else will also become the reason that you leave again and again and again and again. Once you realize that leaving gets easier and easier and easier, you keep a distance in your relationships because you know, I won't be here for long. Sure enough, something gets said that rubs you the wrong way. Knew it. Let's go down the street. Now guys, I'm not trying to make light of this. What I'm saying is, if those kind of things are in our hearts, we should not tempt the Lord, test the Lord, show contempt for prophecy by continuing to ignore them and speaking out freely. We need to address the things that are in our hearts so that we can prophesy, be accurate, hear from the Lord clearly. Because I don't want to be speaking out all these mysteries and saying out all these wonderful things and secretly have hatred towards my brother and my sister. Because that's how a Saul loses the spirit. That's how a Samson loses the spirit. That's how a Job's friends get rebuked by God. Over time, these little compromises, these little things happen. And we're treating his word with contempt. Why? Go back to Deuteronomy 5. What did their fear prompt in them? A submission to his commands. Obedience is what their fear prompted. He didn't want their fear. He wanted their obedience. God's not asking you to simply be afraid of him. He's asking you to obey him. And if we'll obey him, we will watch heaven come to earth. We really will. That's what will happen in this place. One other thing, when multiple words are given by the same person and none of them are divine, there should be a point at which you pause and say, wait a second, maybe I need to take a break and learn how to hear from God again. Now listen, guys, we're not just dishing this out. If you say, I want to hear from the Lord, I don't know if I've been hearing the Lord, from the Lord, I've been speaking out, I'm not sure if that's God or not, come and talk to us. We'll be glad to talk with you and work with you through it. No condemnation. Don't condemn anybody. We're all trying. And we say from the pulpit 
all the time. This is a place for you to practice and get it right. What we're talking about today, it's not a message of anger. There's nobody angry. We're not angry. We love you guys. We want to get this right. So we'll walk hand in hand together. If you're wanting to get better at this, if it's something that you desire, good, that's what Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's like, I'd rather more of you prophesy than any of you speak in tongues. So the desire is there, I see it. But we got to work together and listen and get this right so that we can do this well together as a church. Amen? Amen. Man, y'all are doing so good. Let's hit up... Uh, Let's do 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to skip a few verses that I had in mind. Let's go to verse 26. Worship team, can you come back up and someone go get the kids? Bring them back in here. It's going to be a mass exodus. Lots of confusion, chaos, craziness. Bear with me through it. They gave me Ritalin at the age of five. Five years old. Three times a day. Different subject. First Corinthians 14, verse 26. Y'all there? What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together? Everyone has a hymn. Did that this morning. A word of instruction. I think that's this. A revelation, maybe that's from God, a tongue or an interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Good. So we recognize that there needs to be participation. There needs to be a sharing and a back and forth with everyone. The congregation is beautiful. We need to be participating. This is not just a one man show or an eight man and woman show. That's not what it's supposed to be. Home group, same way. Bible study, same way. We come together and we share. We jump around, we go back and forth, and we watch God move beautifully through imperfect men and women. This is what church is supposed to be. Church is not a show that you come and get entertained at and then drop some money in the bucket for your admission fee. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three, say that together with me, two or at the most three should speak. Oh boy. One at a time, and someone must interpret. Have there ever been times when a tongue has come, a word in tongues has come in this church? We're sitting and we're waiting for the interpretation because we're thinking, I'm thinking this verse, it pops up in my head. A tongue has come. Wait for the interpretation. And then someone, someone begins speaking something else, reading from the Bible or reading something else or just saying something else, and it's not in line. We're going to go ahead and chalk that up. That probably happened because we weren't familiar with this verse. Let, it, let the record show we are preaching that after a word in tongues come, there has to be an interpretation. Has to be. Two or three prophets should speak. Let's say that together. Two or three prophets should speak. And then watch this. And the others should weigh carefully what is said. So when words are given, we weigh carefully what is said. Yes, we take it very seriously. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Here's the verse. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. 
Have you ever heard someone say, look, I can't control it. When it comes, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I just have to say it. I can't stop it. You want me to stop it? It's not going to happen. The spirit of prophets is subject to the control of prophets. If something is happening and it's out of control and chaotic, not like kids coming in, there's some order to this, okay? But when something happens and it's chaotic and it produces you in you this, oh, I don't know if that's God, right? That kind of a response should prompt you to test the spirit and to see, is this God or not? For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Two last verses. Y'all can go ahead and just begin. Ecclesiastes 5.2. Oh, dang. Let's do verse 1 first. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they are doing. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. We will not discourage or show contempt for prophecy as much as it depends on us. We all must take that stance. We all must take that attitude. Because we don't want to stop prophecy and make everybody come and filter it through us. Because there may come a day, God forbid, when words that come out need to be words of correction for the pastors and the leadership of this church. And you need to have the freedom to do that. Let me ask you, if I'm the ultimate filter for whether or not you speak a word of prophecy in a church setting, and you come to me and you say, hey, the word God has given me is that you need to repent of the secret sins that you have in your house. And I'm like, no, that's not from God. We don't want to do that. There are checks and balances and systems of accountability in doing church this way. And we will fight for it. But it means that we all have to take a humble and reverent, carefully thought out and weighed approach. It means that we all need to be in this together. It means that we need to fight for purity in our hearts. Fight to eliminate offense. Fight to get rid of the things that divide. There's a reason in Titus that it talks about warn a divisive person once, then twice, then have nothing to do with them. Because division breeds division. If you have division in your heart, and you're spreading it on Facebook like it's your journal to the public, you will attract those who are also of divided hearts. Does that make sense? When you are going around spreading the offense that's in your heart, you will attract those who are also offended. Don't be surprised. When you have a divided heart, you will attract those who have divided hearts. Our goal should not be to be affirmed and justified in our current stance, but to be righteous before a living God who is holy and desires that we obey him, requires that we obey him.